Welcome to the Liquid Soapbox Podcast. This is a show where we talk about topics that we're passionate about, giving us an opportunity to get up on our soapbox with the help of a little bit of liquid fuel. Hey everybody, if it's Monday and we're in the speakeasy, it's time for the Liquid Soapbox Podcast. Yeah, my name is Dominic Battistella. I'm your host. I'm here with Clint Webb, my What's co-host. Up, What's up? How's it going, Clint? Chillin' chillin'. So today in the studio, we have a special guest. We've got Victor Graham. Victor, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, from Durham, living in Durham, Bull City. Happy to be here in the speakeasy. Appreciate you having me. Of course. CEO of Rhythm Slide Music Hall, which is an up-and-coming music hall that was located in Durham. I did use the past tense, but that is not the end of it. As A lot of businesses are using the past tense now because of COVID, which is very unfortunate, but that's the way of the world. My passion for many years has been the music, the history of the music, mm. and, and the glorious things that, that the music brings to all of us. We love the music. <clears throat> Absolutely. Can we start with... You know, what happened with the music hall and then we'll work our way back to the music because we got there's a story behind that and how mm-hmm. we got to to the music hall. One thing that everybody is very aware of is the a lot of the economic impacts that happened due to COVID and the shutdown of COVID. But I don't think a lot of people know people that are in the music and entertainment industry. A lot of people know sure. folks that are in the hospitality mm-hmm. and hotels and that sort of thing, but not entertainment. So how was that impacted by the shutdown? The shutdown, it affected the music industry uh, whole, all the way across the mm-hmm. board. Sure. From the artists to the clubs to the theaters. And unfortunately, we are the last people to really have the opportunity to get up and running again Um, because all of these type venues are super spreader type places where you just simply cannot have uh, a lot of people. There have been venues that have tried the the 20% rule and and things of that nature Mm And we're just kind of all over the place. And a lot of that just simply don't work. It didn't work for us. It can't work for us. What was the capacity of your place, Vic? Capacity of my place was a little over 600. So if you're working at 20% of 600, that doesn't leave you with... It don't leave much. Much, And and there's so so many obstacles to that Mm -hmm. because in order to create and maintain the social distancing, people have to interface with each other at least to some extent and it was just a very tough thing to do not that it couldn't be done but it was one of those situations we didn't want to add fuel to the fire so we just backed off and just kind of just let it go at least temporarily my understanding is that the city of durham was significantly more strict than some of the surrounding cities and counties i know wake county was a little bit more lenient than durham yeah yeah they were and Kudos to them. There are a couple of different ways to look at this. I'm up the up the school that says, hey, look, let's just shut this down and everybody just chill out and let's get through this thing. And, mm-hmm. and then there are others that say, hey, no, we can, we can do piece by piece and that kind of thing. Nobody's really wrong in this. Everybody's on the arm with their own opinions. And I was one of those just stay home and I just cringe when I see a bunch of people at the beach and yeah. and all the little super spread of events because this is very serious business and it's something that none of us thought would happen in our lifetime. Well, we're here and we're still here and we all just have to respect the virus. Well, just a little quick thing on that real quick so we don't have to uh, turn back to it. You just got your second vaccination today yesterday Yesterday. i did i did and you said you're feeling you're feeling good. i'm feeling fine a little fatigue but got my second vaccination and i'm so blessed because i had covid as well i had covid back in december oh wow didn't feel anything didn't know i had it got a phone call from a contact tracing type situation and i said i'm fine and my wife said well you want to go get checked anyway just to be sure Mm -hmm. and sure enough i came back positive that's what this particular virus can do, and just we don't know so how. So you were asymptomatic. You never yes. had any symptoms from no it. No symptoms. So that's yeah. a blessing. That's a it blessing. was a blessing. Okay, sorry, Dom. I know you had some more questions about rhythms. Uh, yeah, I was gonna ask. Did, were you able to, as a business owner, take advantage of some of the programs that were available through some of the stimulus bills mm-hmm. that were passed, such as the Paycheck Protection Loans Shh. and whatnot? 
to a certain extent, and a lot of that is still going on. There's a, there's a Shuttered Venues Act that's part of the stimulus plan and that has not been dispersed as of yet, that they're still trying to get the logistics right to do the disbursements and how it's going to lay out. So there are some programs out there that we've taken advantage of and want to continuously take advantage of the programs that are coming as part of the second stimulus mm-hmm. bill. So all of that is being worked out, and hopefully there could, can be some light at the end of the tunnel on that. Sure, but they have those things in place for somebody who has rent due mm-hmm. at the first mm-hmm. of the month every month. Mm-hmm. Knowing that those funds are going to come doesn't mm-hmm. help you Not at today. All. Right, because you can't book any acts. No, I can't and, book any acts. And you have a big space, too, yeah. so that, that rent couldn't have been cheap. Oh, it wasn't cheap so, at yeah. all. And then you've got, and it's a domino effect. It starts mm-hmm. from one business. It's amazing how what happens with one business affects another business, and it goes on and on. I'm... There's a blessing in this, in, in, in all of this. So I look at this, for example, like I said earlier, I had COVID. Well, some people don't get a sniffle, and some people, COVID takes them out. Mm-hmm. I'm one of the persons that did not get a sniffle. Yep. So above and beyond all the business part of it, I'm blessed to be here talking to you guys. Yeah, you and, and I take that as such, and I don't take that for granted yep. at all. Of course. That's a great, that's a great silver lining. And the... Illness, the the numbers on the COVID, as well as the the people that have died, that is what garners a lot of the headlines that, that you see when you talk about the impacts of COVID. And rightly, right, because you can replace money, you can replace businesses, you can't replace people. There right? you go. However, it doesn't mean that it doesn't hurt yeah. when you can't do business, when your livelihood is dependent on having people in a business. A lot of folks are very lucky to have the type of job where you can work from home mm-hmm. and continue to make the same paycheck. And the, those people re- really weren't impacted at all when it comes to the, the financial side and very little when it comes to actually contracting COVID because they weren't interacting with other people. But there are people who were considered either frontline workers or essential workers that had to work in say a warehouse distribution sites, those sorts of things, and they were contracting COVID or they just couldn't go to work. Other people who weren't considered essential workers and, and they lost homes. And even though there was some protections available for people as far as putting a hiatus on uh, evictions, it doesn't mean those evictions aren't stacking up in court. Absolutely. And then as soon as those protections go away, mm-hmm. you're going to see a lot of people Yep. losing homes. So how have you been able to weather the impacts on your business? Again, I've been blessed because I had a, I have a business that I was ongoing when I got into the Rhythms thing, which is a little two and a half years with the Rhythms Live Music Hall. So I was able to resurrect that and just stay afloat, survive. And Again, just I'm study counting, man. I, I'm study counting blessings, whereas others might be counting money and mm. counting what they don't have or should have. I'm counting blessings mm-hmm. <laughs> because if the music hall is meant to be, then we can revisit that when the time is right. When that time is going to be, I'm not sure. Right now, I'm just trying not to take things for granted and just hope, like I told you guys earlier, and I, I pray that the light at the end of the tunnel is as bright as we all hope mm-hmm. that it is. I'll tell you what, I caught a little bit of a glimpse of that light at the end of the tunnel, particularly when it comes to music. Two weeks ago, when things started to open back up a bit, my fiance and I went out to Brett's open mic at the Blue Note on a Wednesday night. Now, there weren't that many people there. Things were really nicely socially distanced. Everybody was wearing masks. But I was just damn happy Mm. to get to see some live music. It didn't have to be any particular band just to see some people playing because it's been so long. Live music is great. And being a former patron of Rhythms Live, because Vic and I have known each other now for a few years, and he opened up with, his place opened with a bang. Mr. Jeffrey Osborne came in. And just 70, what, 71 years old? Yeah, well, this, not quite, quite. I think he said he was 70, 70 yeah, or 71. Yeah, right there. Mm-hmm. And he tore that place down. It was such a great show. One of the best live. The most amazing thing about that weekend was we had Jeffrey Osborne Friday night, but mm-hmm. then Saturday night, Delbert McClinton came. That's right, that's right. And whatever Jeffrey left on the plate, <laughs> he cleaned it up. <laughs> and, uh, and music is just such a universal 
thing. We all, everybody can identify mm-hmm. with some form of music, be it, hey, this is what I, what we parted to in high school or, or whatever the case may be. It's a universal language. Yeah. And the live music component of that is powerful. And we can all identify. We all miss it. Mm, and it's going to always be a part of our culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. it was the feeling around your place, man, because it was actually, you know what? I'll let you tell it. What was the point of Rhythms Live? What was your vision with Rhythms Live? My vision with Rhythms Live was to pay homage to the music itself. This country is just there's just so much music out there and particularly from the nostalgic stuff, mm-hmm. old school. Slow I hate, jams. Yeah. And the art of the performance and people seeing a real show uh, and being able to enjoy it. And so most of it came from artists from the past. I wanted to revive that, not revive it, but I wanted to to allow it to continue and be able to enjoy some of these brilliant artists in an up-close environment, whereas you were right up on the artist's mm. And it's very powerful. Mm-hmm. It's a very powerful experience. Well, I remember the first time that we met, I asked you what your vision for the place was. And you said, you put it to me in a sentence, which was which is awesome. And I still remember it to this day. You're like, the doors are going to open at 6. The band's going to start at 8. The band's going to end at 10. You're home for the news at 11. This there is for the go. grown folks. That's right. <laughs> You're like, this is not for the younger crowd. This is for the grown folks. That's right. That's right. <laughs> but we're, coming, we're coming with a purpose. Yeah, and yeah. It, was, uh, it was refreshing to hear because I'm an old soul with this. Right, right. We have the same taste in music, and the people that you got to, the, to your place was amazing. One of my favorite bands that a lot of people like my age won't consider old school because of what we grew up with, but I was able to see High Five mm-hmm. at your place, which was it was great for me because I was such a huge fan of them in the 90s. And to get to see them when I'm grown up and to relive all that stuff, it's smell, taste, always take you back somewhere, sure, right? Sure. Music does that same thing, and at it, least to me. And it gives you a little extra component with your date. Because mm-hmm. my wife and I, we have our date night like many couples yep. do. And you find yourself, okay, what is it going to be? Movie, dinner, or both? That's Which right. movie? Where we? What restaurant? That's right. And it becomes very monotonous and is very seldom that you get to do something outside the box. And I wanted to make the, the live music thing a continuous experience. Mm-hmm. Whereas that Rhythms has got something for you once or twice a month. Yep. And different genres are, are being... Now, me personally, I'm a 70s guy. Yeah. Me personally, and a lot of young people would disagree, I think that the 70s was the greatest uh, decade of music in this country. You we know, got you the had, temps at their heyday. Yeah, you had that, you you had that journey. Good, you had that good classic rock, mm-hmm. journey, journey and, Eagles. Yeah. and the Eagles, mm-hmm. and then you had the Motown acts out oh, there. Man. You Ooh. had the funk out there. And me personally, one of the that one funk. of the most underrated forms of music was disco. Good. We danced, <laughs> dance. It didn't last long, but we had a ball. Thank goodness. And to relive all of those moments and to give it to you in pieces, that was my passion and still is my passion. Mm-hmm. And to see the look on people's faces when they get to experience that and they walk out and they're shaking their heads and say, wow, mm-hmm. what was that? They said, we got to woo, woo, woo. Yeah, That's what absolutely. They said. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. So I want to... Just real quick, step back to one of the things that you said, because this is of interest to me. I've been on my soapbox about this recently, (laughs) is that there are so few places that are meant for adults these days. You can't even go to a brewery without there being like 30 toddlers Mm -hmm. running around under your feet. And you're going, there's nothing for them here. Why are they here, right? Mm -hmm. What what are you doing bringing your kids to a brewery? Don't you know this is a place for adults to get a drink? (laughs) When you you bring back rhythms, (laughs) are you going to continue on that mindset that this is a grown place for grown folks? Because I would really love to be a part of that. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. One thing about a place like Rhythms, you have to try to identify the hits and the misses and where the sweet spot is at. And when you discover that, if it's too outside of what your vision is, then in my humble opinion, you need to give it up. And I guess what I'm meaning by that is I had a specific target audience for rhythms, mm-hmm. a specific music agenda for rhythms. And as we began to identify you know, what people were liking and what they didn't like, it fit right there. The adult population, they were loving it. Sure. So if the if the pendulum started swinging a little younger, which it didn't, thank goodness. <laughs> if the data showed that the pendulum was swinging a little, uh, a lot younger, 
then I would have made a decision to say, hey, look, this is just not for me. This is not what I want to do. This is not working. Well, you were already yeah. tailoring to the 90s crowd. Right. And I don't really think you should get much younger. No, you can't that. get younger no, than that. Not when you're talking about old school. And the fact that your spread of bands that you had or performers there was so eclectic. What, what was the jazz people you had open it up right before Jeffrey Osborne got there? Uh, the week before, right? It was... Uh, the fear, Fat Furious Five or Al something and it the was, Furious uh, Five or something like that. Yeah, it was Al Strong and his yes, Furious Five. That's what it was. He w- they were great. Yeah. And then you had Jeffrey Osborne, Delbert McClinton. You had Crystal Gale. Yeah, Crystal Gale. We had I Larry mean, Carlton, the, yeah. the famous oh, jazz man. guitarist. Yeah, One of my favorites that was very underestimated that I really enjoyed was uh, the Fabulous Thunderbirds. Oh, oh yeah. wow, they were. They killed it, the oh, place, wow. right? They had this guitar player that took Jimmy Vaughn's place. Ooh. Jimmy Vaughn was the founding member of the Fabulous Thunderbirds. Sure. So when he left, they had this guitar player to replace him. Now, you've got to know that if you were replacing Jimmy Vaughn, uh, like Vaughn. you've got to yeah. be killer. Sure, yeah. And this guy, man, was just like, wow, where did you guys get this place? Well, in your opinion, was Jimmy better than his brother? Because Stevie Ray Vaughan is considered one of the one best of the guitarists of, in history. I'll, I'll, I'm not going to speak on that because I've, I've never seen Stevie Ray. I've seen Jimmy. I saw Jimmy at the Carolina Beach Music Festival yeah. a couple years back. I mean, he was really good. Yeah, But, but Stevie uh, Ray Vaughan is one of my all-time favorites. Yeah, he's so, a legend. He's yeah, a legend. Yeah. But I, I wouldn't dare make that kind of comparison. <laughs> Get between the brothers. It's funny you mentioned the 90s. I heard on the radio the other day somebody called Rage Against the Machine classic rock oh. and I almost it was sick to my stomach because wow. I feel like that's the type of music that if it didn't exist and you released it now it would still be valid would not yeah. only would it still be valid it would still be ahead of its time oh yeah mm-hmm. for sure, sure. So, and, and, and there's a lot of music like that that's out there like the Beastie yeah. Boys is probably the same way uh, yeah and there's like you were talking about from the 70s a lot of the the disco era music was ahead of its time and sure. still is and it's still being sampled. Absolutely, as, as the they do have a lot of a lot samples, of, yeah. don't they? Oh yeah. I'm not a I'm not a disco fan, Victor. So I'm going to have to. Disagree well, there. but you may be and don't know it. And you look <laughs> at the music today. You see all these what they call it these tech these techno yes type releases. It's that's disco. That's all disco. That's disco. I'm not it a fan. Is. You know, they're calling either. it something else, but but right. it, it's disco. I am a fan of the Motown. I am a fan of the classic rock and. But and the I'll blues. tell you, some some of the stuff that kind of went below the radar. And they're, they're all over the place. Are these tribute bands? Oh yeah, they've got some really good stuff out there. That we had an Eagles tribute band. We had a Led Zeppelin tribute band. What was the Eagles tribute band called? Oh gosh, if on the border, on the border, on the border, and okay. they were out of sight. Mm. And, Seem, it yeah. seems those folks end up playing some of the tribute music partially because they love that artist but also because people love the songs that they love mm-hmm. and it's hard to break in into it's not hard to write your own but it's hard to get people to adopt your own especially nowadays yeah and then we miss the old acts you good luck trying to see journey someplace nah. good luck trying to see the eagle someplace nah. uh, uh not for less than a yeah. grand you're not going to see led zeppelin of course oh, no, for no. Sure. so to get the opportunity to experience at least mm-hmm. a piece of that it's very special and people really flock to it and these artists work they work mm-hmm. I mean, they're, they're all over the place yeah, they're sure. in demand no doubt yeah so victor I, I, one doesn't just open right a music venue without a significant passion for the music and also background, a, a background, yeah. a, a lot of connection to artists and the industry. So could you talk to us, uh, just give us the narrative of how you got into the music scene, the music industry, and then came out on the other side as an owner operator of that type of a venue? Oh, that is a story. I'm going to try to make it as, as compact as I can. Hey, Vic, we got enough drinks, man. We're good. <laughs> <laughs> well, it started at a young age, and it just goes to show we're all victims of what we experience and what we are exposed to. I was mm. exposed to a lot of different things through my brother when I was a kid. In that, in those formative years, elementary school and junior high school, and I had the pleasure of seeing pretty much every act in the world. I saw Kiss when they were mm. a lounge act. Wow. Before the makeup and before all of that. So you what know, does your brother do? My brother like, at the time my brother at the time was president of the student government at South Carolina State College, okay. but he was heavy into music. I saw Elvis as a kid. At a small venue? No, was it, a, that was in Vegas. Okay. I saw Elvis in the Jackson Five on back to back nights. I saw Earth Wind and Fire door. when they had one hit record oh before people knew them as they are. 
and and all of this stuff it just kind of got into you got into my soul not knowing what it meant at that time how could it not dude yeah. are you kidding me and then years later i started craving to p- the performance i'm all about the performance and and it took me on a journey of seeing every act that you can possibly name and then one day in the hmm, mid 90s late 90s I was at the New Orleans Jazz Festival, and it hit me. I was in the House of Blues, seeing this act, and we were standing up, and we were all so tired, because we stood up for four hours. And I was saying, there's got to be a better way to do that. And at the time, there weren't a lot of sit-down type venues. There are tons of them out there now, because obviously other people had the same idea. And it led me on a 20-year journey to to get the rhythm slide. So rhythm slide, you're right, it did not happen overnight. It was a 20 year journey, ups and downs. I began to promote a couple of shows just to get my feet wet to see what it was like. I had the pleasure of coming across a lot of brilliant people in the business. And one thing led to another and voila. Well, tell us, I remember when I talked to you a while back, you told me that you had some part of, some something to do with Shaka Khan's tour. And or Shaka Khan promoting Shaka Khan. Yeah, I did Shaka Khan. Okay. That was at, tell us a little bit about Shaka. Shaka at the time she is going through all artists go through something, particular artists who are out there for a long time. Mm-hmm. And uh, she was you hear all these all this chatter about different artists. Well, be careful with this person. Be careful with that person. Oh, you don't want to do that. But she was an absolute joy to work with. A lot of them have their pet peeves. And she, from the minute she got to the hotel, from the time she left, she was a true professional in every sense of the word. And she was out of sight. She is one of the most dynamic female voices, one of the most dynamic voices in mm-hmm. the history of music. She's a legend. Yeah. And she is, what, like 5'1"? Yeah. 5'2"? Uh, She's yeah. tiny, right? Yeah. 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 So... I asked him when we had Skaz on the show, I asked him this as well. What is your number one, what's your favorite all-time show mm-hmm. that you've ever seen live? Okay. And what is your favorite venue you've ever seen a live show in? Oh, that's easy. Ask me something different. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to those. No, later. no, the second, the, actually the second part is pretty tough, but the first part is very easy. Okay. I was in the sixth grade and I saw Earth, Wind and Fire. Mm. Again, they had six songs. Now, I have seen Earth, Wind & Fire many times mm-hmm. since, but that particular show was one of our life-changing experience. Because at the time, I was in the sixth grade, okay. and I've never seen anything like that in my life up until this day. Was it in a bigger venue? It was, was it in, a- it was in a college basketball arena, okay. like a 10,000-seater, and they probably had it half full because they only had one hit record at the time. But the things that they were doing was just so. Oh, they future. were amazing. They were so they, musical. Oh, it was they crazy. were just. They was just. It, it, they were young, mm-hmm. and they were hungry. Mm. They hadn't reached the pinnacle of commercial success at that time. They were trying to get there. Right. And they were chewing it up, man, and spitting it out. And man, they, it it changed me. Mm-hmm. It really did. It changed me. So that was more of an experience, not necessarily the best like music you've seen live, it, or was it a combination of both? All of it. Okay. Now that makes sense. If it changed your direction, music, it changed the, your yep, mindset. Yep, it all makes of, sense. All of. Now, mm-hmm. as far as the the best venue for live music, hey, Rhythm's Live Music Hall, baby. <laughs> That's a fair point. <laughs> Rhythm's Live Music Hall. Do you prefer outside or inside concerts? Inside. Yeah. Yeah. Like always have. Always have. Yeah. Always. Have. I love going to uh, Walnut Creek. I don't know what is it called now, Coastal Federal yeah. Credit Union Park or whatever. I always love going. To I, I've shows. always I've always migrated to the small, mm. intimate. Inside venue, like Cat's Cradle, and rhythms. Uh, yeah, rhythms and the Birchmere up in Virginia. Never. Uh, some of the BB King clubs, I think most of them are shut down now. Yep. The one in Memphis uh, was very nice. Whereas you were right up on the artists and they're right in your face. There's mm-hmm. something special about those moments. Yeah, I remember growing up. So I grew up in Virginia Beach, and there was a venue locally called the Boathouse, and that was the that was the concert hall that all the you got some major headliners that came in there because they wanted to play a small venue and just blow it out. And then you got a lot of the up-and-comers that mm-hmm. came through there. I remember when I was in I think it was in early high school, maybe a freshman, seeing Trent Reznor come in there as oh, Nine yeah. Inch Nails. Sure. 
before he actually had a backup band and it was him and a boom box and My. it was awesome. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So those, those are the types of venues. And, and then, like you said, there was no sitting down. It was just yeah. a floor, mm-hmm. a stage, a place where you could get something to drink. And that's about it. Mm-hmm. Right. 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 And that's back when music halls were, were smoke filled and everything. Yeah. <laughs> there, there was no, no smoking laws or anything like that. And I think, I think cat's cradle still like that to bring up cat's cradle again. They don't have tables. Right? Yeah. But, so cats, but cats, cradle, so small. they cater to a college. Type yeah. And they're so yeah. tiny when you're young and in your twenties and full of yeah, vigor, you can stand up all day, you can stand yeah. up all yeah, day. Yeah, yeah. My mom, I think I might've told you this. My mom in the seventies, I think it was 1971 or 72. She saw Ella Fitzgerald oh, at the cradle, bro. Oh, wow. Can you imagine a voice like I that in a place like that? No, I Man, so I, was, I was like, to go back and see, she said she saw Marvin Gaye in concert. Yeah. Not there, but it's like all these things that I'm sure, like you've probably seen Marvin Gaye. No. No? no. So you, you saw, one you saw a lot of the folks, but yeah. none of the Marvin Gaye. I, I, did I you see the see original my... Temptations? Uh, I did. Oh. I saw the original Temps, yeah. So, man, I really wanted you to have you in here talk about music. Now you're just making me jealous. Yeah. <laughs> So you talk a lot about the older, the, the 70s being the, what you saw as the pinnacle of music. And you know, we, we look at music that's being produced today, and Clinton and I are of a lot of the same opinion that it's, you, have to go through, you have to go through it with a fine-tooth comb to find stuff that has the level of quality that mm-hmm. you would hope that it has. Is there anything out there right now that you've seen as a professional in the industry that you look to and go, these people are doing it right? Oh, That's not a really good question. Not outside the obvious. Bruno Mars just knocks oh, my dude. Just knocks me off my yeah. feet. Sure, but he is old school. Yes, you, you can, he's you, got an old soul for sure. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's an old soul, yeah. and and I think a lot of it, the purity is not really there, and a lot of it is. Here's something for you: the Communications Act in the '80s, which give you a little history. It allows major corporations to suck up these mom-pop radio stations across the country. Okay, how's that significant? What has happened? Because those regulations were all of a sudden eliminated. It allows the ABCs and Clear Channel, these, so you got the people that are making the music also own the same, own the radio stations. Sure. So what it does is it, it don't get the purity out of the communities. So you have to accidentally hear something, then the technology come. And they, and I believe, and I've seen and I've heard it, there is some brilliant stuff out there. Mm-hmm. But you have to peel the onion and just peel and peel to try to find it. And by the time you find it, it's gone. And it just don't allow, once upon a time, it don't allow for the proper channels of display and the proper channels of listening to really allow the music to do what it needs to do mm-hmm. it's controlled yeah so the one of the one of the great things about the internet is its ability to democratize radio a little bit more so if you have a spotify if you have a pandora if you're able to upload your music or or, or, or a soundcloud or something like that you're able to upload what it is that you produce as an artist you can get that directly to the people mm-hmm. the only issue with that is that Artists used to produce albums, mm-hmm. and now you don't really have people buying albums, mm-hmm. so they don't produce albums. So the sale of music directly to people isn't what artists are really getting paid for anymore, and they don't get paid very much for download or, no. or stream or anything like that. So where artists are making the money is in Live the shows. shows. It's in the shows, and they put the music out there to the people so they can get them to the shows. But now, just like the venues are being mm-hmm. impacted, yep. the artists are being impacted. The shows are a casualty. Yeah. How, uh, can you speak to you know your understanding of how the inability to have shows has impacted the artists from your perspective? Oh, it's, it's devastating. Mm. Absolutely devastating. And you have to keep in mind with that same scenario that you just laid out. It was already devastating because just like you said, you got up-and-coming artists. They've got a good record out there, but there are no albums. So the artist don't really have the opportunity to go out there and take his stuff to the people like he should or like he can because he don't have but so much material. So he have to go out there and just try to get what he can and open up for somebody or, or whatever the case may be and play for what it's worth. But now that COVID is here, 
he don't even have that opportunity. So what it does, it really circumvents young careers because you can only star but so long. What about what about the YouTube angle of this, right? Because then you can put your face out there and have your voice out there for free, mm-hmm. really. Mm-hmm. And let's go back to Journey. Their new lead singer was found on YouTube. That's right. Right? Because he sounds just Steve Perry. <laughs> I don't know about all that. But as I, much as one can, right, right, Vic, okay? Right, as much right. as one can. That's one out of how many, right? I, but wasn't Justin Bieber a YouTube star? And then you have mm, all these. I don't think so. Well, now are, all these people are getting out there, like, fighting and whatnot. Well, we talked about this before on YouTube. And so all the, all these people are getting famous on YouTube and getting their name out there on YouTube. Well, you Do they all, need a video? But, but yeah, Clint, but, when you say all these people, there's not that many. Well, no, yeah, YouTube doesn't really pay you all that much. Yeah. Like, between one and five bucks yeah. right. per thousand downloads. Right. So you think about it, if you had somebody that downloaded, if you had a, a song or a video that went to one million downloads, what does that actually end up in your pocket? Right. Not much. Yeah, bucks. And yeah, you have, and, nothing. And, and, and what it does, it, you have to be able to allow yourself to go in the right direction as far as being able to give a show. Mm-hmm. Let me give you an example. Some of these artists we talked about, artists from the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, whatever, these artists are still working. Yeah. They can tour. They're not going to make a ton, but they can get out there and do 40, 50, 60, 100 gigs a year. That's because they developed themselves as artists when they were hot, mm-hmm. if you will. Now you got an artist. They're right in, right out, right in, right out. And you might have a few of the big names, but underneath that, it's a revolving door, and they don't get the chance to develop as artists, and they don't get the opportunity to have longevity in their careers because they never really develop on stage. Well, that was the one thing about the albums that I thought was such a better format than what it is now is that you put out a whole album, you could put out a concept album or just a general album, and you'd have your, your couple of radio hits, but then you'd have the other songs that were more for the artistry, and that's when people who became fans because they heard the songs on the radio, then they bought the albums, started appreciating mm-hmm. the songs that you didn't hear on the radio yeah. mm-hmm. and really just falling in love with the bands and then purchasing album after album, year after year, going to the shows, being able to sing the songs mm-hmm. back to the artists. Some of the bands Man, yeah. that that are, are a lot like that now that still tour a bunch, like you've got the Dave Matthews mm-hmm. and the OARs and, and those types of bands where... You, you did. You heard a handful of songs on the radio, but most of their catalog, mm-hmm. people fell in love with after they discovered sure. them. That you never heard it on the radio. Man, that was one of my favorite things about working at a music store because you know I worked at a music store for five years or whatever it was, and it was it was always the what is the what's the best song that nobody knows of. We used to talk about that a lot, right? So what's the best song on this album that nobody knows of? And so we we used to listen to albums like all of it. Like all the way through, no matter what it was and no matter how bad it was sometimes, which was, you know, pretty interesting. Like that, I think I've mentioned this before, that drag on album that came out (laughs) when Jay-Z's album came out was atrocious. But it was one of my favorite things to do. And speaking on the live events thing about people singing back to you, Garth Brooks was, is the best at that man. I've never seen a show that he, like he had, he has audience participation Mm -hmm. like you wouldn't believe. It's because he's, who doesn't know a Garth Brooks song? Anybody in here? I know. Right. So that's yeah. what I'm saying. So there's not a person or a demographic that doesn't know. Well, the fu- the, but the funny thing is, anybody who's listening to this podcast who's 25 years or younger is listening to this conversation going, first of all, what's an album? <laughs> right. And and secondly, what's a record sad. store? So sad. Because well, they don't have that Yeah, anymore. the digital download took that we're, over. We're, yeah, it was, it was such a great business. Maybe, like such a great business may, to be in. Maybe if you're like a hipster, you yeah. buy all your music on vinyl now. Right, which sure. Is like, like you know, kids okay. on Ninth Street that, in Durham I mean, or something. That's yeah. awesome, but that's a handful of people out of the vast majority who their downloads music, it. Well, it's not just if they don't download it and and burn it to something anymore. It's just all right. What's on Spotify? Right. Yep. You know what's on Pandora. Pandora. What's funny is my my daughter uh, Layla. She has four vinyls, I think now. Four or five. She loves them. Yeah. And she says she's going to keep buying them. Good. And, Good yeah. That's what I told her. I was like, she just sounds better. Like, yeah, it does. Yeah, something about I, that needle hitting that wax. Yeah. A little, that little white noise, that little yeah. pop. 
those little pops every now and then. It's a, a listen to a record. I, I remember my first experience with a record. It was like 1984. My mom she raised us on very eclectic music, t- like very wide range of music, right? And the first thing I ever remember putting on vinyl and touching the needle to the vinyl myself was the A side, which was the show by DJ Dougie Fresh and Slick Rick. And the B side was Lottie Dottie, mm-hmm. right? So, and that, that was my first experience with vinyl, and I've loved it ever since. Wow. Yeah. What was it? Was uh, what was your first vinyl? Do you remember? Yeah, my first vinyl was Jerry Butler. Oh wow! Okay, Iceman. Iceman, my Jerry <laughs> Butler. Okay, yeah. was that an A side, B side, or was that like a full album? Uh, it was a full album. It was like my mom, my brothers, you know, Jerry Butler mm. and the Delphonics. I love the Delphonics type of groups back then, but I, I remember Jerry Butler. Yeah, my mother loved her some Jerry Butler. Yeah. Well, yeah. So, do you have any suggestions for? artists as well as other people who run music venues coming out of covid as to how we can bring live music back to the people and i'm not just talking about getting concerts out at pnc those people that are playing that can take care of themselves i'm talking about getting local acts getting those those tribute bands getting up and comers out there in front of people the venues can start serving the communities and so the artists can start growing and being in front of people it's all out there unfortunately right now we all and a lot of people don't want to admit this they say well COVID's not going to run my life and i respect that <laughs> uh, i really do but we've got to get to the end of COVID. once well, we can get to the end of COVID, then everything else will take care of itself the audience is out there the artists are raring to go i hear from artists all hmm. the time uh, just trying to keep in touch and keep connected and I just feel that it's a huge wave and a huge boom that's out there for us with concern to live entertainment and venues and things of that nature if and when we get to the end of COVID. You know, the light is at the end of the tunnel, so to speak, hopefully, right? As you were saying earlier, I wonder, and I just was thinking, pop-up concerts where you, because the pop-up restaurants were so big when COVID first started because everybody, you could just go, and not like a restaurant, but like a pop-up food truck. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys had them in Morrisville or I know you had them in Durham. I don't know if you were paying attention, man, but like in Hillsboro, we had a couple that just popped up every, like a different spot every time. And just something to not have so many people have it be outside on a nice night. I just wonder if something like that is possible. I think that it is. And I, I, I think that's beginning to, to start happening. So many people are so like just ready. Yeah. Just And I wonder how somebody is in this business, in the live entertainment business, how is somebody going to take advantage of the floodgates opening, so to speak. That's a fine line. And I guess you have to define where you're at, where you at on that line. Me personally, I'm not doing anything until COVID is over. Mm, like That's, completely over. Um, over. Okay. I, I just have a, I have a inundated respect mm-hmm. for the virus. I respect the virus. Sure. It's I mean, killed half a million it, people. Or you sure, know, right? and I was worried to death. And, the virus is just so unpredictable. And, but there are some people that say, oh, I'm not worried about that virus. I respect that as well. So you have to draw your own line, draw your own conclusions, and do you. Do what you're feeling. So that's all I can say to that. I will say my understanding of how these things work is that we're never really going to be rid of COVID. Yeah, fortunately. A lot of, a lot of what we call the common cold is covid mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. type viruses it's just that over time our immune systems mm-hmm. developed the ability to fight those particular covid strains that just became part of the common cold and this variant right was it, we didn't have a natural immunity to it so it was easily and it's super contagious it was easily mm-hmm. able to sweep through the entire globe more or less So that's the whole point of getting the vaccine. Isn't that you get a vaccine, you're never going to get this variant of COVID. It's that now your body is able to fight it just like it would any other version of flu or cold and the, but it's never going to actually go away until everybody either gets it or 
yeah. is vaccinated. Well, so it's like the the things that they used to vaccinate for, they no longer vaccinate for tuberculosis, polio. Right. Well, that's because they eliminated the virus altogether, well, right? There's just I mean, no more of that going around. But the cold is still going around. Mm-hmm. Those COVID variants are still going around. The flu variants go around each and every year. This is just going to get incorporated into all of that. Mm-hmm. And it's not going to impact as many people now. Is your, like for you, is the bright line getting to the point where, you know, the scientists and experts in the CDC say it's never going to be 100% gone, but we can go about living our normal lives. Is that no, the line? No, or, it's, you know, it's, is... it's a blurred line for me. And yeah, here, sure. And, and here's why. Again, we go back to that age factor. Remember, my venue catered to an mm-hmm. adult population, mm-hmm. 50 and over, that kind of thing. When you get up into those ages, a lot of my customers were seniors. Sure. When you get up into those ages and you start ages and you start having underlying conditions, and you're a little fearful, that you, you're not grabbing this like a twenty-year-old, mm-hmm. twenty, twenty-five-year-old who's in college. Say, hey, we're going to Miami Beach. I could care less. Let's rock and roll. That happened recently. Yeah, but me dealing with the older demographic, I have to be super, super careful. And I have to be super, super observant. And I'm not quite sure what the data is going to show if and when we're able to open up our people. Like you said, the virus is never going to leave us. We're just going to be more, have on thicker armor Mm -hmm. for it. How will my adult population receive that? Are they going to be ready to come out now? Right now, mm-hmm. they don't even want to go to church. Right. Okay. We have to play it a little differently when you're dealing with a, more of an adult market. That's an interesting angle to think of because not all business is the same business, right? So that's it's an interesting. And not all music way. and not all concerts are the same. That's really, that's very true, man. Yeah. Very true. Yeah. All of that plays. Mm. Sure. Do you have anything else you wanted to talk about, Dom? No, I just wanted to get the perspective, get a little bit of the history with the music and, and your background with it, but also how you're handling COVID from the perspective of you being a business and venue owner. If you could, and, and we asked this, uh, we brought up Skaz before, we asked this question of him, you know, being that you've been in the industry for so long, if there's any, let's limit it down to one thing, any one thing that you could change about the music industry mm. right now, what what would that be? Oh wow, I would. I'm a believer. I'm a grassroots believer. The one thing I would change is, I, I think we need to do a better job of implementing the arts within the school system mm. instead um, of taking them away like they are. Yeah. yeah. See, see, a lot of the stuff started in the '80s when. We had a lot of politicians, had a lot of budget cuts, and a lot of the stuff was taken out of the schools. One of the, one, one of the things that made a Motown great or uh, Stax Records was these music programs in these high schools. People were playing mm-hmm. instruments. People had bands and things of that nature. The music, I would love to, and I'm a bit of a throwback. I get that. I would love to see younger, see the, see the youth start embracing the culture of the music a little more. And I think that starts within the schools. One of the things that, you know, one of the influences that I think a lot of artists do attribute to their growth as an artist is their upbringing in the church. And you just mentioned that's something people are fearful of going back to now. How do you see that impacting the the future of music as well, that people haven't been able to make those connections for at least a year and puts them a little bit behind in their development and both love and skill mm-hmm. in, in being a musician. The, the art is going to always find a way. Don't get sure. me wrong. You're right. Like, what was that movie? Uh, I think Jeff Goldblum. Was it Jurassic Park? Mm. Where he said, oh, yeah, nature always finds a way. Life will always yeah, find a way. <laughs> the music will always find a way. It's a good pull, Vic. It's just the quality of the music. Sure. Uh, and that's what, we, that's what we're up against of losing is the quality and being able to spread it in more of a significant way. Mm. Uh, but the music will always survive. The street will always be the street. And, but it would be nice if we could have more of a foundation for the youth to gravitate to the music and want to play the music, want to play an instrument, want to play a drum or a guitar, or whatever the case may be. And I think that's, that's the building block to, to uh, a lot of this stuff. Well, kind of, kind of speaking on all this stuff, who, who would, like, do you remember, if you can recall, somebody that you saw live or that you knew because you saw them in a studio or something that you're like, man, they're going to make it. And uh, they just never did. 
Are you sure? It was a it was a band. My cousin led a band back home when I grew up in Sumter, South Carolina. A band by the name of Brown Ash. Brown Ash. Brown okay. Brown Ash. That's what kind of music? They back then it was funk. Man. Okay. It was funk. It was, was that back in like the George Clinton days, the yeah, Parliament days? Yeah, okay. absolutely. Well, okay. it was a little before that, actually. Okay. Um, and so what you're saying is George Clinton stole from them? <laughs> I wouldn't go that far, but they had something special. And but the music changed. The synthesizers came because they were mm. they were a horn based band. Casey and the Sunshine horns. Oh, Earth Wind and Fire does a lot. Yeah, of that. a lot of horns. But yeah. you notice right around the latter seventies, synthesizers came and just mm. knocked away the horns. You can get a horn sound on and your. That's a shame, man. And the same thing for the drums. So all of those things started changing music and the quality of the music yeah. a little bit. A lot of bands lost their way with innovation and technology is a double-edged sword. It is. It is. But Always has been. The horns came back for a little bit during the 90s they, when the ska like, movement came exactly. around. Yeah. Uh, but then they went away again. But I think you, you've got a good point with the technology yep. getting in the way of the artistry because... And nowadays, everybody's auto-tuning their voice. Mm. And even you said the, the music finds a way. But right now, the way is through the computer. Now, certain bands are practicing mm-hmm. it v- via the Internet or doing shows via the Internet. But what I find a lot of people doing, though, is they're actually making their music via the computer. They're they're creating loops and things like that mm-hmm. and the the computer itself is becoming the instrument almost like mm-hmm. the synthesizer sure. did take place and you're losing the the connection with actually playing the instrument yeah one of the one of the deadest aspect of music right now are the corporate studios you had a music company had the studio you go in the studio that's dead you know, people are making got their own studios. Right. Well, you basements. can look at look, yeah. look at what we're doing look right here. Right. We got yeah. a radio studio sure. here. Who needs to go get a radio show sure. at, the, at the local radio? We can post up here in my garage, do a recording, mm-hmm. and put it onto every single major podcasting mm-hmm. outlet and be heard by millions of people instantaneously. That's right. And that brings us to the engineers and people like that. Mm-hmm. The need for in-house engineers are the, have decreased. But interesting enough, over the years, the need for live engineers has increased Hmm. before COVID because what has happened, the venues are popping up all over the place. Just like I predicted 20 years ago, I said, you know, there's going to be venues. With sit down seating. Yep, seat in, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> so I know, I know a lot of engineers that went from the studio setting to learning how to be a live technician Mm -hmm. because that's where the work was. And, uh, but right now, Everything's just flat because of COVID. We just have to. I, I do want to ask you a question. It may seem unfair, but I want the first thing that pops in your head. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite album of all time? Oh God, <laughs> you are so unfair. I know, I know you got a million My things floating in your head. Favorite album of all yeah, time. Yeah, favorite album of all time. It's the. It's probably not going to be what you think. Mm-hmm. My favorite album of all time. Jerry Butler. No, <laughs> <laughs> no, I like Jerry though. My favorite album is all time would probably be Mother's Finest self-titled album, the very first one. You've talked about that before with me. Because yeah. they, they weren't they didn't come to rhythms, did they? They were going to they come to on, rhythms. They were on their way. That's what it was. Okay. Okay. Yeah, it's that's a it's a tough question, man. Yeah. But you know, because especially for a music guy. I will put that I mean? up there. Yeah. Yep. So if if you could snap your fingers <coughs> and COVID's gone away tomorrow and Money is no object, whatever it is. Who's the first band you're booking? Ooh, to play money is no show? object, Vic. Yeah. <laughs> if uh, Rhythms, Rhythms opens, who's the first band you're booking? I would go back to the beginning. <clears throat> yeah. I would, all I would recreate that weekend that we had. It was good. In 2019. Yep. I would come back with Jeffrey, and the next night I would bring Delbert McClinton. Yeah, it's a good way to start a place. I will, I will start it all over again. Because you sold out both nights. Yep, and, right? both, and both artists was just... Right, nobody got hurt. Uh, nobody, got, nobody nobody called the cops for no. loud noises or it anything was, like it that. Was, it was killer. And people, those those two particular artists and those two nights exemplify what I want. When people left those shows, they got it. They did. Like, oh, yeah. And they oh, were sweating. I, I see what he's doing here. <laughs> I, they were, I, I get this. Because although you had tables, they were standing up, dancing oh, in the wow. aisles. They and, couldn't get enough because yeah. it wasn't normal. Mm-hmm. It was so outside the box. They sat down when they wanted to sit down. They stood up when they wanted to sit down. And you had these two brilliant artists mm. just putting it all in their face and say, take this. And take this. audience yeah. participation, yeah. which you can't have a Jeffrey Osborne 
go out in the aisles of Madison Square Garden yeah. and, and interact with the crowd like you can with him at Rhythms with 600 people yeah. and him walking around having people woo-woo-woo in a yeah. microphone. Yeah. You can't have that at a larger venue. Yeah. So, so, so those, I will start off with those two acts. Yeah, start no all over again. Yeah, yep. I can feel that. Yep. Awesome. One, one last thought, Victor. When you do, what do you want to tell the people who came to Rhythms, who were your regulars, who supported you right now, if you, you could tell them anything? I want to tell them, them that how grateful we are for their presence and their support because we saw the same faces over and mm -hmm. over. And I believed, and I still do, and the proof in the pudding is in the eating. When I believed, I said, hey, if I get you to Rhythms one time, I got you. Oh, yeah, you'll come back. And and if I saw the same people, and I saw that list. It's all in the data. You could tell with the data and the emails and all of that stuff. They came back over and over and again. And I'm just so grateful that they gave the concept a chance. And by them giving it a chance, they gave me an opportunity to showcase what I've been thinking and what I've been feeling. And also say to them, keep your eyes out. Mm. It's not over yet. The last thing I want to say, and I'll just add to what you just said, as part of that community, we should thank you for bringing that to Durham because Durham is a very musical city. Oh, absolutely. And Durham didn't have anything like this. Yep. And, and not only that, Clint, and I thank you so much, and I received that, but not only that, we have so much talent in Durham. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, in Raleigh, too, in, in this mm -hmm. whole area, local talent, regional talent, and we was just beginning to get cooking. And as I was approached by so many bands, rock bands, funk bands, pop, all over the place. And I, I made it a point to say, hey, look, I'm going to give local artists an opportunity. Mm -hmm. Rather than they open up for Deborah or, or Jeffrey or, or, you know, we had Sheila E. They open up for some of these artists or they yeah, get a bro. Thursday night on the arm. And I, I receive what you say, but I'm just so grateful that people came and the talent that we were able to showcase. Dre over there shaking his head when he heard you had Sheila E. Oh, and he yeah. ain't know. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because talk about somebody that could play some drums. Boy. Oh, yeah. Hi, Vic. We appreciate you being very here. Much, Thank, Thank you, you very much for the conversation. Yeah, man. All right, everybody. This has been the Liquid Soapbox podcast. If you want to hear more conversations like this, Make sure you hit that subscribe button. Give us a review, five stars, please, and share us with your friends. We'd love to have you bring folks in and uh, suggest some conversations because we're always looking for things to talk about. Yep. And yep. Join us here next Monday. See you next time, Tom. All right. Thanks.